That was me, you did it too. <laughs> Whenever you did this for one of the least important of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. This passage presents the image of judgment as Christ coming with all the clouds of glory with all his holy angels and dividing not everybody up into two groups. Groups that live together all the time until this moment and then are separated out like sheep and goats. And both are given their future destiny according to not all the ways that everybody usually thinks of as what people are going to be judged by, but instead by how we treated each other, and especially the most vulnerable among us, and those hurting the most, how that we responded to those concerns. In the, giving the great commandment, Jesus elevated the great commandment from from where it said, love one another as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love one another as I have loved you. That's a, several steps up. If that doesn't diminish what was already said, it just adds the fulfillment of that. Is to take it to the highest point, to love as Christ has loved us. And here he does a similar thing if we think about the golden rule. He said, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Well, think of this as raising that up a few notches too by saying not only that, but do unto others as you would do to me. And he challenges us to see Christ in every person and to act accordingly. To treat each person as though they were Christ. And he gives that as the criteria on which our eternal souls are judged. When we think of the judgment, there's uh, several images maybe that come to mind, but two in particular that come to my mind of passages in the scripture, and one is the great white throne judgment where John said, I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God. And everyone was judged. The books were open, and everyone was judged according to the things that were written in the books. Each individual, you know, that's the image that I see, and that individual is kind of lined up, you know, waiting their turn. And the other one is this passage here, which powerfully Jesus says, calls the judgment of the nations. And that gives a little bit different image, doesn't it? <laughs> of these of the, the nations of the earth being divided up. And of our counter being not only as us as individuals, but all the groups we're a part of. Our country, we think of our country as our nation. But those are kind of fluid over history, not, you know, not as fluid as some of our other groups, but, you know, they do move around. Uh, we have our state, we have our county, our community. We have our congregation, our denomination, and all these things that we're a part of. 
And in all of those things, we have sometimes the tiniest voice or a vote, if we even have a vote, in the decisions that are made. But we do have some influence, albeit as small as it may be. And how we use that uh, stands under the judgment of the Almighty. So we talk to we talk about this at some of our different uh, meetings and at church and everything, you know, about, about contacting leaders. We might not be able to cast a vote, but we might be able to tell somebody our thoughts about that. And we need to do what we can, you know. We might not be able to help everybody or give the help that they need uh, under a certain sense, but we might be able to pray for them or do the, something to help that, um, you know, takes it another step even if it's only prayer, because we all have that power to pray, and God answers prayer. We believe that, and we affirm it, so we should do it, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, there was a story in the book of Acts where there were uh, a couple of the apostles going to church one day, and there was a, a person who couldn't walk and was uh, out, of, out of money and everything and was sitting there by the church and was asking everybody for money. And they said... Silver and gold have I none. But such as I do have, I will give unto you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Sometimes what we do have to give might be more worth more than all the money that, that uh, somebody might be hoping for, or whatever other thing. And we may not be able to tell them to stand up and walk, but we might be able to do something. <laughs> You know, so that's the kind of the point there is that whatever it is that we can do, then Christ invites us to do that. To look at each person as though they were Christ and respond the way we would if we just really knew that that was, you know, if that was Jesus of Nazareth stepping out on the page and asking us for assistance. And then I'd like to touch on something else about all this judgment before we go on is that uh, you know, there are a lot of ways of looking at the judgment and the results of the judgment. And um, a lot of my ways are in the minority opinion. But um, I think there's still good food for thought. I think there's a right too. But anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, because um, I feel like that God has made it clear in the scriptures that he doesn't want anybody to perish. It says that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of salvation. And the way I look at what God has done in my life and the lives of others and what it says in the Bible, that God has the power to do that. If he decides, if that's what he wants, if that's his will, then he has the power to make it happen. It might, might take a long time. <laughs> And some people might be slower uh, in, in response than others. But my personal, this is my personal view, is that um, he, he will accomplish that goal eventually for everybody. And um, so it's just something you can think about and challenge or agree with or <laughs> take a look, you know, whatever that you want to do with it. But that's mine. So, so then, um, and, but I don't think that this, passage here really um, takes away from that or from uh, or that my view takes away from this passage 
because uh, in the places that Jesus talks about like this and, and the, um, about the great divide, division of the good from evil, is uh, uh, there are other places too where he talks about this and the apostles talk about it. And, and one way to think about that without taking anything away from what we think about the end times or anything else is that God is already doing this separating in our hearts and minds right now. This is judgment is something that's going on in our own souls. And the good is growing and the evil is diminishing. Good is overcoming the evil. The evil that may be in us or bad or whatever, you know, not good parts of us, that all is being uh, removed and done away with permanently. Our sins are being forgiven. You might say it that way. That's a good way to say it, religiously. Our sins are being forgiven, cast as far as from the east as from the west, never to be brought up again. Or cast into a lake of fire. You could say all of that is being, is being taken away. Good is triumphing. And hopefully that eventually, you know, we're being brought through our changes, change from glory into glory until heaven we take our place. <coughs> we are, uh, you know, the good is being brought out and emphasized and we are be, being transformed. And it, through our, not only us as persons, but as our group, as, as a, our church and our community and the world, everybody. And so that um, the judgment is uh, something that it is eternal. It's always happening. It's happening every day in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. And, and really, we're a part of it because God shows us things as we, re, as we reflect on ourselves, as we confess our sins, or we confess who we are and we face ourselves honestly, then God helps us to see who we are and make those changes right then and there. There's the one song that has a verse that says, he has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out uh, hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. That's something happening right now, isn't it? It's happening even as we worship God in this hour. And then one more thing about that. <laughs> I keep saying one more thing, don't I? Well, maybe I'll quit saying one more thing. How about another thing? <laughs> Is that even in this moment, we have a choice of what we're going to think about. And if we're going to think about what is beautiful and lovely, as Paul said, you know, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, all these things, we can think about those. Or we can think about something else. We can think about heaven, or we can think about something else. And a lot of people like to think about something else. There was this one preacher several years ago, and he said, you should let me come and preach a revival at your church. And I said, oh yeah, why? And he goes, because I preached that hellfire and damnation, and he said, I really lay it on them. <laughs> he says, I lay it on them thick. And I said, okay, I'll keep that in mind. 
And you, yeah, some of you might remember how many times you've been here. <laughs> because I don't think, for me, I can't really hold both of those images very well in my mind at one time. I can, I can study and love and, and sink into and um, absorb and let be absorbed by one with the awareness that, that there is the other. But I can't just fully give myself over to both directions. They're two different things. And they're both in the Bible and everybody has their choice of how they want to read the Bible. And what part of it, you know, which direction they want to go. That, and it's given to us as a choice. You know, Moses uh, uh, handed over his uh, leadership to Joshua, and Joshua uh, talked to everybody and said, you know, I don't really know what everybody else is going to do. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's the same kind of choice that we have even in this moment. To think on the things that Christ invites us to, the heavenly things, and to live out of that, and to wrap our minds and hearts and feelings all around what Christ is inviting us to, or something else. And some people choose that something else. They like to tell other people to go there. They like to study all about it and tell everybody how bad it is. That's their choice. But we are invited in Christ, even in this passage, to accept his invitation. And this passage tells us how to move our thoughts in this moment a little closer to heaven and feel a little more of the joy in the presence of God right now. And that's why I want to extend that invitation now is that we would, uh, ex we would uh, move our thoughts, center our thoughts around Christ and around heaven and around glory. Uh, I've been preaching on these uh, different spiritual landmarks in my life for, during this summer. And this is really the last one, technically. The next Sunday is going to be the last one, uh, really. But it's also, gonna, I'm going to preach about the, uh, it's the reign of Christ Sunday, Christ the King. And we're going to, I'm going to preach the same passage that I started the series on, uh, where we talk about the thief on the cross. And this time, though, I'm going to call it just another day in heaven. As Jesus and his friend, new friend on the cross, uh, made their way together into glory. And we'll praise the Lord and think about heaven again. I like to think about heaven if you hadn't noticed. I, I want to invite us to just think about heaven, to wrap our minds around that. We don't have to lose our awareness or our beliefs or anything else about hell and everything else in between. But Christ is inviting us to heaven. And he told Nicodemus that he was the silent man who had come down from heaven and is in heaven. And so we're kind of like that, only we're another way around. We are the uh, children of God who are going to heaven and are in heaven. And it's kind of like on the uh, uh, transfiguration that the Apostles went up there, and Moses and Elijah that were in heaven were there, and everybody was all gathered together there. Um, 
we can wrap our minds, we can do our study, we can set our focus on heaven as our home. And that's where we want to go. So I, I said a lot more there than what I was going to do, and I'll just briefly mention some of the other things. I've See, I traveled a lot this week. <laughs> more than that. So I preached a lot in the car until my voice gave out and sang a hit song about heaven and a big revival. I probably should have taken it and just... Uh, so I now have to try to condense that to short enough that everybody can go home before it gets dark. <laughs> Six hours in the car. Yeah, I mean, it was a big revival in the car. <laughs> uh, so, well, the one point is that Christ invites us to see Christ in everyone. We're made in the image of God, everyone. You know, uh, if you think about some of the people that you hear about on the news, or uh, even maybe some people you know, I don't want to call any names, but you just think about whoever you want to think about, that some people it's very hard to do that. So make it, some people it seems like they make it hard to see Christ in them. And so I picked out a few people and I tried to think about seeing Christ in them and I found a resistance within me that, that almost says, I don't want to see Christ in that person. You know, I don't want to, I, you know, there's nothing I want to see in that person that's good, you know. And, and that's something to overcome really in every relationship. Uh, even the people that we don't know are the people on the news uh, are the people that are close to us. So we always, you know, it, the challenge and, the, and the, the invitation of Christ is to see Christ in each person. Now, if we do that, doesn't that change the way the, the, uh, the world is? As we change our perception of the world, the more we see Christ and the people around us, the more it changes who we are. It might not change who they are, but it changes who we are. And it lifts us up to the joy of the mind. And it opens our hearts and minds and sets our attitude in a different course than if we don't see Christ in everyone. So that's one thing that he invites us to do, which I, I, I see, you know, you can probably do the same elaboration on that that I would do. And uh, then not only to see, but to serve. Christ in everyone. See Christ in everyone and serve Christ in everyone. That's who we're looking at in each other. Look at each other as, you know, the person that uh, that each person representing Christ. Each person is, and, and that's how we find Christ, really, is in our service to one another. That's how we find the joy of our salvation is in our relationship with each other, and we serve one another as though they were Christ. Now, what if everybody did this? What if everybody, which they don't, and they might not for a while, but let's say they did. If everybody, well, just imagine, if everybody saw Christ in each other, and everybody served Christ in each other, don't you think the world would be a better place? It would be like a whole new heaven and a whole new earth, wouldn't it? It would be a complete transformation. And so Christ invites us to that. And, and all the other things that, that Christ invites us to, all the other theologies and understandings of the Scripture, those aren't, those aren't hurt by that. But this is something we can elevate and we can share to serve Christ. And that's what Christ is judging us on in this passage. He said, 
you know, come, you that are blessed by my Father, come and possess the kingdom for, which has been prepared for you ever since the creation of the world. He preached coming to the kingdom. That was who he started out with. That's what he ends up with. He wants us to be a part of his kingdom, and this is the way that his kingdom, that's how you get in. <laughs> and it's not just like someday after a while that there will be a list. I mean, that there might be, but that's not what I think he's talking about here. That it's not just that someday, you know, you'll come up, and then they'll review what you've done in your life, and then send you one way or the other. <laughs> and they may be. But what he's talking about here, at least what I'm hearing, him say here is that right now, in this moment, um, <laughs> if you are looking at somebody and seeing Christ, and if you are serving them as though they were Christ, then in that moment, you're also experiencing a taste of heaven. And if you do that in every moment, then every moment will be heaven for you. And the more you do it, the more heavenly those moments will be. So, and, and, and then there may still be all these other things that we think of too. But think about that. Because I think that that's what Christ mostly wants us to do. Is to love one another the way he's loved us. And to serve one another the way he serves us. And to be in heaven every minute. At least one foot. <laughs> Now, as much as we dare, as much as we're willing, and as often and as completely as we're willing. So insofar, or to the degree, that you do this to the people around you, then you do that to me. And that's how you get happy. That's where your joy and fulfillment in life comes from. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah.